times that we that we go through in life that make us ask that question Jesus like where are you and certainly that question was asked by many people last week but there are times in our own life that make us ask that question and in those times when we go through personal tragedies and, and pain and and heartache when when we get that diagnosis or or we feel like we've been betrayed by someone that we put our our trust in There are times in life that make us wonder, Jesus, where did you go and what in the world are you doing? What am I to do now? In many ways, these are the questions that the disciples were left asking in our text today. I think that they give us some wisdom uh, for the times when we ask those in our own life. And so if you have a Bible or Bible app that you like to use, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Where we'll find our core verse for this week as we continue through Core 52. And the book of, of Acts that we're going to be spending the next few weeks in uh, picks up where the Gospels left off. The, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell the story of Jesus' life up to his death, burial, and resurrection. And then the, the book of Acts comes along and, and picks up at the start of the church. It tells the story of the church being born and, and the good news of Jesus spreading throughout the, the known world. But in between these two events, in between the resurrection And the birth of the church is a really, really important event that happens that that we're going to be looking at at today. Jesus, in in Acts chapter 1, has spent about 40 days uh, post-resurrection with his disciples. He's been eating with them. He's been teaching them. And in our text today, Jesus pulls them back together for one final meeting. Look at it with me, Acts chapter one, starting in verse four. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, this is a valid question that the disciples asked because they had grown up being taught that, that the redemption of Israel, the coming of the kingdom of God is going to be ushered in by increased activity of the Holy Spirit. And so here is Jesus who has been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit. In fact, the last part of his earthly ministry, he focused so much on the Spirit. And now here he is saying that Spirit is about ready to be poured out on you. And so it's natural that the disciples would wonder, is this the time? Like, is this when it is finally going to happen? And I imagine that, that all of those dreams that they had of Jesus taking over and freeing them from Roman oppression were rekindled and, and all of the excitement that they were going to be a part of that came flooding back in. 
But Jesus has other plans. And he says this in verse seven, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. That phrase, times or dates, it's, it's code that we see throughout scripture. And even, even from Jesus himself for when God will once and for all redeem, restore and renew all things. When the, when the curse of sin and brokenness and shame will be lifted and the father will wipe away every tear. It's that time, it's that moment that we long for, especially in weeks like we just had. And I think that most of us, we can, we can look at this world in which we live and, and we would say, man, there just seems to be something that is off. There is something that is broken. Even people and friends of mine who are not followers of Jesus, like they know that there is just something that is broken in this world that we live in that needs to be fixed. The disciples felt it. We continue to feel it today. And so their question is the question that's on our minds too. Is this the time? Is God going to finally come and restore things back to the way that they are supposed to be? And, and Jesus tells the disciples, listen, don't get distracted by things that only God knows. And the, the disciples, like me, are focused on the here and the now, the things that they can see and they're wondering what's happening right here, right now. And Jesus is like, listen, don't get consumed by that. You're going to have to wait. And then he says in verse 8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And if, and if you look at that passage, that verse, it, it's just filled with even more waiting. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in your hometown and, and to the places that, that you don't want to go with the people that you don't really like. You will go eventually one day and do all of these things, but first you'll wait. And I imagine that they had so many questions about this, but before they had a chance to ask a single one, this is what happens. After he said this, verse nine, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them, hid him from their sight. And so if the ambiguity of waiting wasn't hard enough, now the disciples are left waiting without Jesus. And, and I imagine that, that they are fully confused at, at this point. Like what in the world have we experienced all this time and what do we do now? And then in verse 10, it says, they were looking intently up into the sky. Imagine kind of scratching their head, mouth wide open. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I have a, a friend in Kentucky that, uh, that translates that and interprets that, meaning that like, 
you know, we don't have to worry about Jesus returning on a, on a bright, sunny day where there's no clouds in the sky because he went up in a cloud and he's going to come back in the same way with a cloud. I don't know that that's great biblical interpretation, but, but I get the point. Like as Jesus was going up, he was, he was cloaked in the Shekinah glory of God, his power, his presence, his, his glory just wrapped all around him. And the disciples are looking at, at all of this and, and they have no idea what to do now. They're wondering, where did Jesus go? What are we supposed to do? Where are we supposed to go? Like they know something about the Holy Spirit, but it's not what they thought that it was. And so now they're confused about that. Jesus said that that they will be his witnesses across the world, but they don't really know what that means or when they're supposed to start. And plus, they just saw this guy that they've spent the last three or four years with, this this guy that they saw perform all of these miracles. They saw him crucified and raised back to life. And now they just watched him ascend into heaven, covered in the power and the presence and the glory of God. And they've got to just be scratching their heads going, what now? The only clear answer that Jesus gives them is wait. And I don't know about you, but I don't really like that answer (laughs) very much, waiting. I'm not a very patient waiter. (laughs) Waiting doesn't feel productive. I don't like to wait when when there's things to do, when there are people who are are hurting and suffering now. I want to fix it or I want it to be fixed. And, And Jesus is saying to me the same thing that he said to his disciples, wait. Don't get distracted by things only God knows. You're gonna have to wait. Now, that doesn't mean we do nothing in the waiting. And we'll talk about that. The disciples were waiting on the Holy Spirit, but we're waiting on the second coming. We're waiting for the time when Jesus will return to make all things new. We are waiting for the time when there will be no more pain, no more sickness, no more death, no more tears. We are left in this in-between time right now of waiting for there to be no more school shootings or racially motivated hate crimes, no more positive diagnosis or family breakups. So what do we do while we wait? I think what the disciples did in their waiting gives us some some good direction. In the end of Acts chapter 1 into Acts 2, we see them waiting faithfully. They're waiting faithfully. And I'm, I'm learning that there is a difference between waiting and waiting faithfully. I'm doing a little uh, sprint triathlon next Saturday in Marshall, Illinois, and it's a relatively short event, swim, bike, run, uh, but, but I've been training for it over the last couple of months because I want to be able to go out and really kind of give it my, my all and um, enjoy it as much as I possibly can in, in the process, maybe have a little bit of fun. And And when I think about this idea of waiting and waiting faithfully, I think about it kind of like this. Like I could have signed up for this triathlon a couple of months ago and just kind of sat around and waited for June 4th to get here. Like not really done any training or or preparing, just kind of waiting for the event to happen. I could do that, but I wouldn't be ready and it probably wouldn't be a whole lot of fun. (laughs) 
The other option is to sign up to follow a training plan, mostly, um, <laughs> to do the things that I know to do so that I will be ready when the event comes. That's waiting faithfully. And it comes down to this concept right here. Do what you know to do. Like waiting faithfully means doing what you know to do. That sounds easy, right? But if you're like me, I, I don't want to just know the next thing to do. I want to know like step two and step three and step four and step five. And like I want to see as far into it as I possibly can. And what God keeps reminding me in his, in his word and through um, dear friends who love me and have permission to call me out on some things is that that's not how God works. Man, he calls us to be faithful in the moment to take the next right step to do what we know to do and to leave the rest to him. When our girls were younger, we watched um, the, the movie Frozen, uh, I think 536 times. I, I'm pretty sure that was the play count on, uh, on iTunes because <laughs> uh, it was just kind of always, always on. Uh, but they were a little bit older when Frozen 2 came out. And so it hasn't been as constant of, of a repeat on our house like the first one was. And so I've actually only seen it once or twice. We've listened to the There. And they had seen enough of Jesus uh, to, to learn that they could trust him and follow what he says. And so they went where he told them to go and they did what he told them to do. And they waited. And while they waited on his second coming, while we wait on his second coming, we won't be able to see five, 10, 15 steps in front of us. But that should not keep us from taking the next right step in front of us and doing what we know to do. And Jesus gives us some pretty clear instructions on what that next right step is in, in the great commandment and the great commission. Two verses that we've talked about within the last couple of months. And it basically boils down to, to this, love God, love people, and help others know, love, and follow Jesus. Like that 
is what we are to do as we wait on Jesus to return. That is our next step. So we continue to live in a world that is broken and marred by sin and by pain. We have been sent out to love God, to love people, and to help others know, love, and follow Jesus. My buddy David Lee at Clear Creek Christian Church said it well a couple of weeks ago in our teaching team meeting. He said that the ascension of Jesus was not a departure, but a handoff. It was Jesus handing his mission and his ministry off to us with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that Alan talked about last week, living and residing and moving in us. And so as we wait for his return and we continue to experience the effects of living in this painful, broken world, our question is not, Jesus, why have you left us? But Jesus, what have you left us with? Not Jesus, why have you left us and where have you gone? But Jesus, what have you left us with? And he has left us with a mission and a ministry. In the rest of Acts chapter one into chapter two, we we see that the disciples are staying together while they waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit to be fulfilled. they, They prayed with and for each other. Before they took a single step, they prayed. In their pain and confusion, they prayed. They didn't know what was ahead, but they knew what they could do. And so they did it. And when God was ready to move, they were ready to move with him. And so our question as we wait is not, Jesus, where have you gone? But Jesus, what have you left us with? And he's left us with a mission and a ministry to go into a hurting and broken world and help people find him. He's left us with one another to support and encourage sharing our joys and our burdens with one another. He's left us with the gift of prayer so that we can remain connected to him and find peace and comfort when we experience the pains of life. He has left us with the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit living in us. And he has left us with the promise that one day he will return and make all things new. And when he does, may he find us faithfully waiting on him. Would you stand with me? I'll close this with a word of prayer. God, thank you for the promise that when we walk through this world, we do not walk alone no matter what comes our way, what difficulty, what challenge we face. Thank you that we can pray, come Lord Jesus, and you come to us, you meet us, you meet us where we are. You carry our grief, our anxieties, our cares, our worries as we cast them on you because you care for us and so come Lord Jesus and while we wait for you to come may you find us waiting faithfully by continuing this mission and ministry that you have handed off to us by by being with and for one another in the church so that the world may see the light of your love shining in us and through us and God may you find us connected to you, ready to move when you say move.
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.